Isaiah 28, 23. Give ye ear and hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow, doth he open and break the clods of his ground. When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the finches and scattereth the cumin and cast it in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place. For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the finches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned about upon the cumin. But the finches are beaten out with a staff and the cumin with a rod. Bread corn is bruised because he will not ever be threshing it, uh, nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Look at verse 28 where it says, bread corn is bruised. Theologians tell us that this particular chapter of Isaiah can be divided into three different divisions. Uh, verses 1 through 13 is the first division, and it talks about uh, the particular apathy and the patheticness of the leaders of the nation of Israel. Uh, the priests, along with the prophets, uh, they were getting drunk with strong drink and with wine, and their vision was being blurred, uh, and their judgments were being blurred, and God was against them. Uh, the second division can be found in verses 14 through 22. And here we find in this division, uh, the, basically uh, the foreign policy that the people were living under uh, during that particular time. And the third division is the text I read, uh, verses 23 through 29. And here we find in this section uh, that God is talking to a remnant of people that are extremely faithful and loyal to him. But also in this section, we've come to realize uh, that because of their loyalty to God, they were suffering. Let me say that again. These people that were faithful to God were suffering because they were loyal to God. And yet many times in your life and mine, we feel like if we're suffering in any form fashion uh, that we're out of the will of God, the devil is attacking us, or something has gone awry within our life. But I will remind you that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will uh, deliver us from them all. Uh, this particular passage also shares with us uh, how God made his promises and will keep his covenant uh, to the people. With that being said, it does not matter where you and I are in life. If you and I are living faithful to God, if we're faithful to the Lord, if we're loyal to the Almighty God, we're never going to have an easy way of it in this life. Every one of us are going to have times of trials and tests and persecution. I remind you that your salvation will be tested. Your faith will be tried. Persecution will come your way if you're loyally and faithfully following in the steps of Jesus Christ the Lord. But during it all and in spite of it all, the Lord is still leading, the Lord is still guiding, and the Lord is still meeting the needs of his people in this hour. Our enemies are going to persecute us, understand that. But with that being said, God is still on our side. Now the verse said, bread, corn is bruised. Uh, basically an NIV says, grain must be ground in order to make bread. Now, I'm sure that many of us have read this passage probably numerous times uh, within our Christian life. And for some, it may be the first time uh, that we've ever heard these words. But some time ago, when I was going through a tremendous trial, when I was going through times where I felt like God had left me, that God had forsaken me, uh, during those times when I felt like that I prayed and my prayers were not being answered, or when I felt like I was paying my tithe and being faithful to God and heaven was silent, uh, during those times of my life where I felt like I was doing everything 
everything right, but everything in my world was going wrong, this passage made sense. Now, does anybody relate to what I just said? Have you been living in life and you just feel like that you did everything you know to do and you're doing it the best way you know how and the rug was just pulled out from underneath you and there you are lying flat on your back saying, God, what happened? God, where are you? And God, I make no sense of this. And there is where many people bail out on the Lord. Uh, we feel like that we should always have smooth sailing as a child of God. But nowhere in the scripture does it say we're going to have smooth sailing. Uh, he said we're going to have a safe landing on the other side. And to me, that's what's important. But friend, there's times of your life you got to realize it's not going to be easy as a child of God serving the Lord in this world uh, because we are contrary. We're enemies uh, to the world and the world system. And therefore, we're like a salmon swimming upstream. And we're coming against everything uh, that's against Jesus Christ. And yet many of us, we pray and don't get a prayer answered. Uh, we pray and things don't happen to think the way they should. Uh, we're doing what we think we ought to and the world collapses. We bail out on God. We get angry with God. We get angry with the church, get angry with the preacher, get angry with our spouse, get angry with ourselves when in reality we may be fighting against the very thing that God is trying to do in our life to form us into the person of Jesus Christ, his son. Now with that being said, notice if you will, verse 24 asks the question, doth the plowman plow all day to sow? The answer of course is yes. The farmer plows all day long in hope that the ground he's plowing will take seed and he sows the seed in hope uh, that the seed will germinate and produce a crop. And then doth he open and break the clods? Again, the answer is yes. He plows in order the ground might be open to receive the seed. Verse 25 asks, And when he has thus made plain the face thereof, does he not sow his seed suitable according to the soil? Again, the answer is yes. An experienced farmer uh, can tell you what seed will grow better in a sandy soil and what seed will grow better in a, a particular clayey soil. And he sows the seed accordingly. A barley will be sown in this type of a seed, a soil. A finch will be sown in this type of a soil. And cumin seed will be in this type of a soil. But when it comes to the grain, when it comes to the wheat, it has to be placed in a particular soil the richness uh, because we understand that that wheat uh, produces bread and the bread is the staff of life and it's very important that it's placed in the right place. And then verse 27 and 20 asks, talks about the threshing of the grain. Finches or peas in some cases, uh, they themselves uh, were threshed by the beating with a staff. The cumin seeds, uh, it was threshed uh, by taking a rod and just barely beating it and, and, and the seeds and everything with the crop would fall off of it and that was very important. But when it come to the wheat, when it came to the particular grain that we're talking about here, uh, the threshing instrument was used in order to bruise it. It was a sledgehammer type of thing that would be raked over and over and over it again. And sometimes they would take the crop, uh, the harvest, and they would place it under the feet of oxen in order to bruise bruise it. And then sometimes if that didn't work, uh, they would take this wheel of a thing. Uh, it was somewhat of a, a particular like of a wheel, a, red, a sled over it or a hedge, uh, something three or four uh, big old heavy stones on it that would be made of, of wood or, or made of iron or, or made of, 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 of rock. And they'd grind that over and over and over again until it was threshed, until uh, the seed or until the, the harvest uh, would loose itself from the particular shaft. The point is bread, corn, is bruised, but why? 
Those four words, if you'll take them to heart, may answer many of the perplexing questions of the whys of your world. When you realize that bread corn is bruised, it may bring some peace to your troubled soul of wondering why you're going through some of the things that you're going through. It's bruised because it's not good for making a bread until it's bruised. If it's not bruised, it cannot be used. If it don't fit, you can't acquit works. If it ain't bruised, it can't be used. Amen? As a boy, I vaguely remember my grandfather having a homemade sifter meal. And he would take the grain and put it inside that. And he would turn the crank. And underneath it would be bags that would house the flour or, or the meal. And, and it, was, it, it took pain uh, for that. If those, if those seeds and stuff could talk, it'd be crying out, so let me tell you. Uh, modern day, have you ever gone to the grocery store and bought a bag of coffee beans? You look at those things and you can't put that in your coffee pot. You can't chew them up. You can't smoke them and roll them and smoke them. So you gotta pour them in that machine at the grocery store and you put the bag, empty bag underneath, and you grind it up. And as it's ground into the powder, ground into the coffee, all the aroma, the smell, and now it is usable. Before it looked pretty in a bag, before it smelt good in the bag, but it was just there, no use whatsoever. But it was bruised, it went through the meal. Now it is usable, and thank God for that. By the same token, when you and I are bruised by our Heavenly Father, we are able to be used by our Heavenly Father. Remember, Jesus Christ took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and then he gave it to his disciples that they might be able to feed the multitude. Multitude. It had to be broken before it could be fit to be fed uh, to the multitude of people that was there. Could it be that God is searching today uh, for men and for women who are willing to step up to the plate and say, God, I may not like to be bruised. I don't like to be crushed. But if this is your will for my life, for God's sake, let me submit to it and let you bruise me all you want that I might be fit for the kingdom of God, that I might be used in the kingdom of God, that I might be blessed to somebody and don't let me rebel, don't let me run away don't let me be angry with you, with man with God, with anybody, but let me be in tune with you and if bruising is what I need, then by the grace of God bring it on until you finish your work in my life. I believe it was Job was a man that God sought after and Job had to go through the mill of God to make him the vessel that God wanted him to be. We've got to remember I do not believe that God allows anything to come our way unless it's for our best. Now, too many times the church people from the pulpit to the back door, we settle for something good, but good is always the enemy to best. And God always wants to give you and me the very best that he has. The load you carry may be heavy, but that load that you carry may be the very thing that'll take you to the feet of Jesus Christ where you will surrender it all and say, God, I am at your disposal. I am doing what you want me to do. And if it's painful, then let it be painful. Your grace is sufficient. Uh, God, it may be an understanding, but when I don't know what I'm doing, I'm trusting you that you're leading me all the way through. The load you carry, the pain you feel, the rejection you sense, the persecution you endure in the providence of God may be the very thing that God is using uh, to bring you through a place of sifting, bring you through a place uh, of bruising, uh, to bring you in a place of youthfulness for the glory of God. Anybody ever been to Monticello in Charlottesville, Virginia? 
the home of Thomas Jefferson. I love that place, been several times. When you walk in that beautiful old mansion, there's a clock that he invented and it runs off of balls, big old iron balls. And if memory serves me correctly, it seemed like they're about that far apart. I may be wrong, but they're far apart from each. But there were so many on the right side of the wall and so many on the left side of the wall. And to make it work, he had to drill holes in the floor that those balls would go down into the basement. But it's the weight of those balls causes that clock to run. And sometimes it's the weights that we carry, the bruising that God puts us through that gives us the strength to endure yet another day. Are you following me? The Bible says, and let me know, that God will not put on us more than we can bear. And brother, it's during times of trials and, trans trials and transition that causes us uh, to turn to God with all of our heart. And if we don't, times of trial and transition will cause us to run away from God with everything we have. And that's the choice that we have. I think of Jonah. God commissioned him to go to Nineveh. And his stubborn streak said, not going to do it. Because as sure as I know I go, God's going to use me and souls are going to be spared. Here's an evangelist that don't want to see souls saved. What's wrong with him? So he goes to, down to Joppa and he boards a ship. He had the money in his pocket. The boat was ready to take off. The, cl the cloud cloudless sky, everything was in his, man, it must be God because all the things lining up. But as soon as he got on that ship, a storm broke out. And he knew, all the, all the sailors said, there's a God been offended. And he said, don't worry about it. Quit throwing your stuff overboard. Throw me. I've offended the God Almighty, the God of Israel. The boy had to be bruised. The boy had to be crushed. His attitude had to change. And overboard he went, swallowed by a huge fish. Made the fish a sick, he had to throw him up. But notice the bruising caused him to go to Nineveh to fulfill the will of God. The problems surrounding you today are but challenges for God. Yes, they're hardened, yes, they're, they're unwelcome, but the blessing in disguise will bring out of your life and mine things that are hidden in us, things that lie dormant in us. It may take the bruising process to get out of us the fruit, to get out of us the things that the world needs. The world needs you. I can't help but wonder how many babies have been aborted from today all the way back from the time of Roe versus Wade. And how many of those babies could have been statesmen and politicians and, 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 and doctors and lawyers and preachers? Who could have been, our world could have been a whole lot different for the better. Amen. But rather than being bruised, destroy. Yeah. Destroy. Read the Bible and you'll find the great ones were the ones that went through their bruising. Read the Bible, look at the patriarchs. Look at the prophets, look at the disciples, look at the followers of Jesus Christ. They were the ones that went through their seasons of tremendous bruising. Men like Noah. Noah heard from God, build the ark. And as he built the ark, people laughed at him. They made fun of him. They ostracized his whole family. And yet the whole time, let me tell you, nobody likes to be laughed at today. Especially men in this macho generation, bless God, put the dukes up, you're not laughing at me. 
But Noah, let him laugh. He was being bruised. Look at Moses. Moses was a man that killed an Egyptian and went to the backside of the desert for 40 years and then God commissioned him. You go back to Egypt and you stand before Pharaoh and you tell him to let my people go. Friend, you're talking about bruising. And then the very people you've been called to, to lead, the very people you've been called to minister, they begin to laugh at you. They begin to criticize what you do. They begin to say you don't know what you're doing. The very ones he loved were the very ones that turned against him. And think about Job. A man who loved the Lord with all of his heart. He paid his tithe. He offered up the sacrifice. He did everything the way God asked him to do it. And then all of a sudden, his children are all dead. His crops are all destroyed. His animals are all gone. And his dear old wife, God love her heart, his helpmate, why don't you just curse God and die? Man went through some bruising. And what about Joseph? A man who stood out, a teenage boy who stood out all among the others because he had a purple, had this coat of many colors. He stood out in the crowd. You think this is loud? You should have seen the coat of many colors that boy had. And his brothers hated him and sold him into slavery. And while he was in slavery, he gets a job for Potiphar and she accuses him of sexual impropriety. And now he's in prison. And the whole time he's saying, God, what did I do wrong? God, where did I fail? God, I don't understand. Why have you done this? But he maintained his integrity during the whole time. Ended up in prison. God was bruising them to make them what he wanted them to be. Friend, we can resist the plan of God and choose our own way in life. But if you do, you'll never be the blessing that God wants you to be. If you do, you'll never have the ministry God wants you to have. If you do, you'll never turn out exactly what God wants you to do. God sees the beginning from the end. It hurts. It's painful. But there's work to be done. God is making you into the man he wants you to be. God is making you into the woman of God he wants you to be. When I was in elementary school, middle school, and high school, I played football. I was a small kid back in those days, hard to believe. I played center and linebacker. And I, I, I mean, during the summertime, we played football probably eight months out of the year. Uh, we would practice hours, hours a day, five days a week. We would practice eight months out of the year, roughly, for 10 ball games a year, unless we won the state championship. So mostly we had 10 games a year. <laughs> we would practice during school two hours an evening, four nights a week for a one-hour ball game. Why? Why did you do that? I went home bruised after many, many practices. I went home bruised after many, many skirmishes. I went home with headaches. I went home with heartaches. I went home with shin splints where I could hardly walk. I had to go to doctors where, and get myself worked on because of people cleating me. But by the same token, I got to put this jab in. I sent folk home with bruises too. Amen. Got the manly side. Got to come out this morning just a little bit, okay? Why did you do that? Because of the game. We faced giants on Friday night. 
and we couldn't get in shape game night. We couldn't study the game plan game night. This had to be in us before game day by the same token, the things that we go through by way of God's bruising, the way of God sifting, the way of God crushing us in many ways is preparing us for the greatest battles that are yet before us, the greatest challenges that are yet before us, the greatest Goliaths that may be standing before us, the greatest opportunities and it's going to take somebody that's already ready. We cannot pray through when disaster comes. We've got to be prayed through when disaster comes. We cannot pray through when we stand before persecution. We have got to be prayed through before persecution comes. We've got to know the answer to those that ask of us uh, the hope that's on the inside of us. It comes by the bruising process of God. It hurts, but God's getting us ready to be used in his service. Noah had a job to do that required bruising, the salvation of his family. Moses had a job to do that required bruising. He led the nation out of Egypt and brought him into the brink of the promised land. Joseph himself had a job to do and that was and it required bruising uh, that he had to feed the nation of Israel and protected them uh, from total annihilation and destruction. And thank God Job had a job to do that required bruising. God was bragging on him. So there's no shortcuts to the kingdom of God. Before their lives became a blessing to others, before it became rich and inspiring, before they could minister to the people, the crushing and the bruising had to come to them. And the sweetest Christians in the world are the Christians that have gone through the bruising. God has placed his hand upon you, counting you worthy to come a channel of his blessing. He sees your qualities he sees your gifts. He sees your abilities. But they're lying there dormant. And it's going to take the bruising process for the cream to rise to the top. But nobody likes the bruising. But there are shortcuts. Jesus said, if any man follow him, pick up his cross. A cross in America today is a padded cross. We want the padded cross that makes us feel good. Look what we're carrying. There's no such thing as a padded cross. A cross is an instrument of torment. A cross is an instrument of death. A cross is an instrument of self-denial. A cross is identifying ourselves with him. It's not something you hang around your neck. It's not something you hang just in the church. It's the way we live. I am crucified with him. It is no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And it's as we live dead and every day of our life live for him, we go through the bruising process. And we don't like it, but there's no way around it. Those who can drive the tears of other people are the ones that shed gallons of tears themselves. Those who've served in the heat of the battle during the day can comfort those who are going through struggles in the night. And Paul said that we can comfort those wherein we ourselves comfort. In other words, the comfort that we receive while we've been bruising, we've learned from it, we now can go out and comfort other Christians as they're going through it. Friend, if you're going through special trials right now, God has a special place awaiting you. But you have a choice. Get angry and say, I don't like this bruising process and run away. Kick the can down the road and still be miserable. Or say, God, I'm yours. I'll go through it. I never envy the people at the top. What do you mean by that? There's a lot of little men and little women riding big saddles today that God didn't put there Politics did, money bought their way, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the humble men and women of God who have paid their dues, who have gone through their Gethsemanes, 
who have had their times of crushing, have had their times of isolation, have had their wilderness experience, who've been on their knees with nobody but themselves and God. And God, their gift has made room for them. And yet we do not know the pain they've gone through, but they shine like stars in the kingdom of God. Their prophetic word is on target. Their sermons are anointed. Their teaching is phenomenal. Their singing is not just talent. It is the anointing of God. You know what I'm talking about. Those people have paid a price to get where they are. They went through their time of crushing. They've gone through their time of bruising. They did not get angry with God. They submitted to the will of God and today they are being used for God's glory and yet the devil is still trying to rob, kill, and destroy him. But they had to go through their seasons of bruising. Those people have shed gallons of tears along the way, borne much pain and silence, but now they're the source of strength to the weak, helping, hurting people, being food for their hunger, water for their thirst. Church, no one will be used of God without going through your personal Gethsemane. Not a one of us in this room will ever be used of God without going through our personal Gethsemane. I've talked to preachers. Well, I've got my bachelor's degree and I've got this. I said, hang it. You need your PhD in the school of hard knocks and it's coming. There's a lot of people, they feel like, man, if I just get my degree, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. PhD, post-hole digger, Pentecostal hydrogen, what do you want to call it? Nothing can take the place of experience with God. And that doesn't come without bruising. Bread, corn is bruised. But notice, the harvester will not thresh the same grain forever. In other words, what you're going through will not last forever. The thresh is long as it took to loosen the corn from the shaft. Are you with me? Bread is the staff of life. It's needed for humanity to live. The Bible said that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the true bread that came down from heaven. In John 6, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. Jesus had power, uh, he, he, was, he was life, he was truth, he was love, he was anointing, he was everything. But notice what it says in Isaiah 53, five. Just as bread corn is bruised, Jesus Christ was bruised. The Bible said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Say that with me. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Look at Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him in grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. If the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, without sin, the perfect one, if he had to be bruised in order to be used, where does that leave you and me? We want the shortcut to get there. There is no shortcut in the kingdom of God. We go through the bruising process as long as it takes for him to make us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ entered the ministry, uh, the Bible said he was baptized. The Holy Ghost came upon him and remained. The voice of God from him said, this is my son, and my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And the spirit of God led him into the wilderness for 40 days, fasting without food and water. And he hears the voice of the devil those 40 days. He comes back and does uh, his earthly ministry for three years. And then he enters into the Garden of Gethsemane, which means an olive press. You have grapes, and grapes go in that press, and the juice comes out there 
pressed. They're, they're bruised. That's why Jesus went in the Gethsemane, meaning an olive press. And there he prayed, oh God, I don't want to be bruised. I don't want to be bruised. I don't want to be bruised. Take away the cup. Take away the cup. Take away the cup. Nevertheless, thy will be done. He went through the bruising process to the point that he sweat drops of blood. His heart was broken. He was a broken, bruised man in the garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because there was a job to be done. He endured the, the pain, uh, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. During the time of his bruising, he didn't look at his pain and feel sorry for himself. He saw you and he saw me. He saw the church and said, I will be bruised for I have a people that I dearly love. Then they took him out and stripped him of his clothes and tied his hands. And the Roman soldiers came by, big old burly men, and they had a coat of 12 tails, or a rawhide or whip, whatever, and on the end of it, pieces of bone or rock. And every time he came down up on the back as hard as he could, put 12 stripes, do that by 12 by 39 and see if you don't come up with some stripes on the back. No wonder I said you could not look upon him to see the form of a man. He was so beaten, so mutilated, it looked like a, an animal that was taken uh, to, to a slaughterhouse. And yet it pleased the father to bruise him. And then they took him to Calvary with blood coming out of his skull, blood coming out of his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, the blood coursing down his face and burning in his eyes. Then they put that back upon that cross, nails on either hand and into his feet and flung that up between heaven and earth in that hole. And there the Son of God, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God is being bruised. But why he's being bruised, he's being used. But while he's being bruised, he's being used. Too many times in life, when we think God's using us, sometimes we're getting nothing accomplished. And when we think nothing's happening, that may be when God's getting the most glory out of our lives because we've got out of the way. And yet the people around saying, if you're God's son, if you are, save yourself. He bypassed one miracle that a greater miracle may come. He stayed on that cross because he is God and he was being bruised. And because of his bruising, you and I can be and are born again even today. He was bruised. Church, don't get weary with your life. Remember, if you're going through special trials, there awaits a special place of ministry for you. But it takes the bruising. Heavy burdens are often placed on the faithful. Think about this. Heavy burdens are often placed on the faithful while the unfaithful seem to be carefree and we often ask why. You ever see some Christian never have a problem? Never have a difficulty? When I wrote my dissertation for my doctoral program, I had a wonderful lady, I won't mention her name, lived in another state, she read it, and she questioned my theology. I said, what's wrong? Raised in the assemblies of God all of her life. And she said, I've never had no problems like this. I've never had any temptations like this. I've never had any trial like this. And I said, well, ma'am, in all due respect, just leave me theology, theology alone and just take care of the nouns and adverbs for me. I'd appreciate that. And finally, she talked to a, a Christian friend of hers, a pastor, and he read the material and said it was good. And she said, something must be wrong with me. And I wanted to say, lady, you need to get saved. There is no way in this world that you can live for God and not have trials and tests and temptations. There is no way in this world you can live for God and you don't have slew foot breathing down your neck sometimes. 
There's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong if he's not chasing you. But as long as he's chasing you, he don't have you. Praise God. We're going to go through trials and testing. God may be bragging on you as he did Job. He may be preparing you for work as he did Moses. He may be preparing you to help someone uh, as he did the apostle Paul. But he's bruising you that he might use you. And we don't like the bruising, but it is necessary. I remind you this as I close this morning. Abraham Lincoln said something to the effect, I will prepare myself because one day my day may come. Friend, I would rather be prepared and never need it, never use it, than need to be prepared and not be ready. Let God bruise you. Let God take you to your Gethsemane. Don't be mad at him for that. But say, God, what is it you're trying to teach me in life? God is working in you. God is working on you. And he might work through you for his glory and for his honor.